Hello, and welcome to the 28th episode of Adam Alonzi's podcast. Tonight we will be discussing virtual reality with Micah and Zan. So you're immersed in a computer world, and, and um, so you look, you, when, you, when you have the headset on, everywhere you look, you can see the computer matching your perspective. So um, just like when you're, if you're sitting on a couch and you look to your left in the real world, you see what's on your left side. And if you look to your right, you see what's on your right side. And when you're wearing the head-mounted display that's virtual reality, you look to the left and you see to the left inside the computer world. And so the computer renders what you would see as if you were actually there inside that world. Um, so it's like another reality. It's a computer-created reality. And you look to your right, and, and the computer will present your eyes with an image that would be as if you were looking in that direction inside the computer. So it create so it, you're surrounded by a reality um, that is created inside a computer, um, and that's very different from Virtual Boy because that was the Virtual Boy was just you were just looking into you didn't move the headset around you didn't look left or right you just had to you had a fixed it was it was basically a fixed headset. And when you looked inside, you just saw a game that was, yeah, it just wasn't virtual reality. It, there's no, you know, it's no comparison. Um, what what is different now about virtual reality is versus what they had in the in the 80s, um, before you know the thing called Virtual Boy even existed, was um, the technology is is um, it's cheaper, it's faster. In terms of the frame rates, um, it's not something like the Oculus Rift or the Gear VR or the um, HTC Vive. They're not hurting your eyes. The frame rate is also has this. There's a technology called low persistence, so they, they actually make the frame disappear for a high percentage of the time, and it just displays black. You don't actually see the black. They do this so that when you turn from left to right, it doesn't. The image doesn't blur. Um, you just see, wherever you turn, you see the, the image that um, the computer is calculating your, your viewpoint based upon which direction you're, you're facing. And you just see that image as soon as you turn to the new position, and, uh, and they cut out the motion blur. Um, in the 80s, they, didn't, they weren't able to do that. So um, when people turned their head in virtual reality in the 80s, um, they, would, they would see the whole screen blur and they would get really sick. And it was not as a nauseating experience. And some of the companies that are making VR today still are still creating a nauseating experience. They're still creating motion blur with their systems. But Oculus was um, one of the pioneers of creating a headset that didn't have motion blur. And that kind of started before Oculus was purchased by Facebook. And they started it at the time. They were sharing their technology with um, with Valve, and this is this was like years before Valve came out with their headset. And um, so, part of the early history of Oculus was that they were actually creating this motion blur free um, head tracking and creating an actually good experience. It did not make you vomit, and um, and they created this technology with Valve at the same time, years before Valve came out with their headset. And and um, so Valve was actually um, Facebook bought it, purchased up um, Oculus, and then Valve was secretly working, continued to work on their headset 
um, which uh, the which still had that technology. So they sort of blindsided Oculus when they finally um, said, "Hey, we're coming out with our own headset," and 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 everyone said, "Whoa, this is better than the Oculus Rift." What do you think, Mike? Do you think have you tried Vive yet? Too. I've tried the Gear VR. I've tried the Faux. Um, the the Vive is definitely the best thing that I've ever tried. Um, it it puts the the tracking on the DK2, the developer kit 2, the Oculus developer kit 2 is really really bad. It's really horrible. Um, they just put this like camera in front of you, but I'm I'm tall. I'm taller than most people, and I sit higher. So for me, like I guess the the camera was too close or something, or it just isn't suitable for tall people because I kept going outside the bounds of the camera and it would cause this horrible clipping where my perspective in VR was totally destroyed because it, because it lost me in terms of uh, its ability to track me. But when I was using the Vive, the, the tracking is around you and it encompasses the entire room and it's, it's in front of you and it's behind you because they have two cameras. Uh, and they're not actually cameras, they're laser tracking systems. And the tracking is perfect with the Vive. It, it feels like, feels vastly superior to the DK2 tracking. Um, it captures where you're looking. Like when I was using the, the Oculus Rift, it seemed like I could look left and I could look right, but my, but the head tracking was not one-to-one -one matching how my head was turning in the virtual world. Like I, my head would turn farther in the real world and it would not turn as far in the virtual world. Um, and when it doesn't, when it's not perfectly tracked, um, that also creates discomfort. Um, that creates a, um, an experience where the world feels kind of heavy um, because part of it is, um, is moving with your, like your, your, it's like your whole, it's like your head is moving the world uh, because it's not, not moving perfectly, um, your viewpoint is not perfectly calculated from the camera movement. So when I when you're using the Vive, it just feels so light because if you make the most subtle movement or the most rapid movement or you move your head at any speed, that your your viewpoint is replicated by the computer perfectly. And it's like this perfect one-to-one -one position tracking. If you lift your hand up with 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 the Vive controller, the motion controller, you see the controller going exactly to where you put your hand, with exactly the same speed that your hand goes there. There's no lag, there's no delay, and because so because the tracking is so good, um, it just feels like incredibly light, lightweight. Um, like you're not moving the world with you when you turn, and or, and it feels like um, it's real virtual reality for the first time. Uh, like they finally nailed it, um, and you just don't get that with the with the DK2, and you and you definitely don't get that with the um, the Gear VR, which has no position tracking at all, and the Faux headset does not even have um, has not even solved uh, the motion blur issue, um, so they're still like um, that. Is the foe, but unfortunately, even though the eye tracking work, it's still it's still kind of nauseating. But yeah, so the vibe is definitely the out of the ones that I've experienced, the vibe is the best, hands down. Um, and I have not tried yet the new um, Oculus Touch, so 
you know, I'm hopeful that it's going to be on par with, at least as good as, um, and I'm hopeful it'll be even better than the, the Vive, but you just, I just don't know. You know, right now, some people who have tried Oculus Touch still say that the Vive is better. Um, and I suspect that's possible because Oculus Touch is um, still using that, uh, that old optical technology, um, and the Vive is using a different kind of optical technology that, um, that basically um, sends out a signal to, to, a, to, like a, a, to a whole grid. It sends out a whole, um, you know, they call it the lighthouse, because it's basically you put, you put one in each corner and it's covering a whole grid with its, um, uh, with its light technology. So um, it's, a, it's, it's a slightly different um, technology, and, and we'll see if, um, if the, uh, the Oculus's technology is in par with it or not. I, I don't know. We'll have to, have to find out. But one thing that we can see is that the Oculus um, is still meant for sitting experiences, and, and most of its developers will be um, keeping in mind that it comes with a, an Xbox controller. But, and so they'll be developing, you know, you, if you buy a Vive, um, you would probably expect that because it comes with motion controllers that the games that you buy are going to be mostly for, um, you know, where you can get, you can stand up in it and you could walk around in your room no matter how much, maybe how, uh, um, not everyone has 15 square feet of space, but maybe if someone has like a, a room that's 8 feet by 8 feet or 10 feet by 10 feet and they can set, you can set up your, your, your vibe trackers in that room and then you can you can walk around things in virtual reality and you can expect that the apps that, that are sold that you buy for the vibe will um will let you walk around and, and and use your motion controller whereas if you buy an oculus rift you can expect that um that most of the apps will require you to basically be sitting down with it with an xbox controller and you won't be able to use your hands for most of the apps um because um because that is just uh, what the first Oculus is uh, is going to come with. It's going to come with uh, an Xbox controller, and it's going to be designed for a sitting down experience. So I think the real virtual reality experience um, has to involve motion controllers, and I think that's what I think's why the Vive might be the best choice um, for in the first round, and you know, this year when it comes to which system to get. Right. I stumbled on some products being developed by smaller companies like Sixth Sense that involve giving the user more freedom to move around by placing sensors on different parts of their bodies. And a couple of them are making omnidirectional treadmills. And I imagine that would jack up the price a bit, but it would be a more immersive experience. The things about omnidirectional treadmills is that um, you may like if you're trying to like so. I guess if you're running in place, but the video game is telling you, but the virtual reality is telling you that you're moving somewhere. Um, unfortunately, a person's um, inner ear, a person's uh, vestibular system knows the difference. So I've heard that the omni treadmills they don't feel right that um, it takes you out of VR. It feels uncomfortable for the same reason that, um, like, 
for the same reason that uh, that motion blur feels wrong, or that um, if your head tracking the head tracking is not perfect, um, that feels kind of wrong. And so when you're on an omni treadmill, um, it just doesn't. It's it can start to create that uncomfortable feeling that that can ruin a game. It can take the fun out of a game um, because your body doesn't feel like it's natural. But I, what I have seen this is um, a bicycle used for VR, um, where what they, what they have is a, they have someone riding a bicycle, but, but they can't actually create a bicycle in VR because you can tell that it's wrong. But what they can do is they can have you riding a Pegasus. So if you're riding a bicycle, but you, it looks like you're flying uh, a Pegasus, a flying horse, in virtual reality, that works. That actually feels right. Um, and there's a lot of different things. They can, they can have you, like, um, in a tank. Um, and they can have you in a bunch of different vehicles, but just not a bicycle. Because um, you can tell the difference between uh, a real, bicy real bicycle. And so they've been able to create a few different... It's not a treadmill. I mean, a bicycle is different. But they, they're able to, tr um, to create some really good... Um, experiences uh with uh with the bicycle um and so that's exciting at least something's working but the omni treadmill i don't have high hopes for that and i think that um there's a quote from palmer saying something similar that he wants to see how well it does in the market but I don't, you know i don't think he's like he hasn't said anything he's optimistic about it so you know i don't know yeah and I suppose for someone who's kind of boring, the various control systems are exciting. I was reading about an armband called Mayo that detects electrical impulses being sent to your hand, and then that translates them into input. So potentially it could move your hand in VR before your physical hand even moves, which is pretty cool. Maya, is that the article you published recently in the groups? Uh, you know, there was that one with the ship. I and it, I don't. Well, it is. It is in the book I posted to a couple groups. So I think there's a whole bunch of peripherals like that one that are ultimately going to fail in the market, in my humble opinion, because they're not tracking you. They're not able to track you accurately with perfect precision. Um, the one that tracks your electrical impulses in your arm, the myo, it's not, it doesn't pick up what you, what you're planning to do perfectly. Um, and if it doesn't show your gestures, you know, at exactly the same time as you make your gestures, then that is a problem because that creates the discomfort in virtual reality that takes you out of a game and you stop having fun and you start worrying about the controller, um, or the control system instead of being immersed in the game and, and thinking about solving problems in virtual reality, you know, for the game. So so there will be a lot of controllers that people, it sounds good, but then they try it and they just don't want to use it anymore because it just it distracts, it, it becomes, you know, you're wondering why this controller is not working the way it should and you just stop using it. I mean, that's what I think. But yeah, so I have my doubts about that. Um, and I've heard it, it's just, it just doesn't work that just like neurofeedback, people want to use neurofeedback to control games, and it just doesn't work. Um, 
just it just doesn't work. And yet, there's still more and more projects are coming out where oh, we're going to use neurofeedback for virtual reality, or we're going to use neurofeedback so you can control this or control that. And more and more projects are getting announced, but it doesn't work. And so it's getting money for no reason because you know. Let, let's uh, say that um, all these controllers start mm -hmm. working all like perfectly. <laughs> all um, right. Like let's say that we we could have six different controllers. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest issue behind this would be that having so many different controllers that could possibly split the community. In terms of like let's say for the gamers, if you want to play a multiplayer game. And you have uh, like all these people playing the same game, but using mm -hmm. different controllers. Okay. For the developers, that would be really challenging to try to keep um, the same game, but but you know having the same input from different controllers. I don't think that could work easily for the developers, which is a problem now that you know VR is being developed and everything. Mm -hmm. Even just having Oculus and Vive together, they have different controllers. But I wonder uh, how adaptive they could be, you know, for one single game, having different controllers but playing the same game. I wonder how difficult that could be for the developers, and I wonder if that would split the community. Because um, that's a thing today, comparing PC gamers and console gamers. Um, you can't really play one game together, so you split the community. You split the amount of people playing together one single game. Uh, I play uh, Battlefield 4. And sometimes we struggle to keep a server full of people because we have the PC gamers and inside the game we have different modes and everything. So that splits the community even more. But if we could like uh, put together console players and the PC gamers, every server will be full. Like there will be everything will be always populated because there will be all uh, there will always be people playing. Uh, but because we have different controllers, different systems and everything, the community gets more and more divided and we have fewer and fewer people playing the same game. And I wonder what that would be like for VR games in the future, for multiplayer yeah. games, for example. Yeah, well, um, if, that's a good point. Um, if you look at something like the social space, like um, there's this article that just came out that's in our groups. It's Alt Space unveils Gear VR support in epic fashion. That's an article you can read right now. Um, and what's what's great about Alt Space is um, they're actually tackling that issue. They're making it so that you can use it when you're wearing an Oculus Rift or a Gear VR or the HTC Vive or just on a computer with a couple of um, the. Uh, the motion, you can use it with the mouse and keyboard, or you could use it with the uh, the motion controllers that um, that Adam mentioned. Um, the ones, uh, what's it called? The sense, the sense controllers. Yeah. Um, yes. So you can use those with just a PC, um, or you could use them with uh, the Oculus Rift, and. Um, so the, Allspace is one company that's tackling that issue of, hey, can we get all these different controller and VR headset setups working in one virtual reality online program? And um, they're doing it. And uh, so that, that is a definitely an interesting question. Um, and they're, I guess they're just making it possible for everyone to, have to, to interact with their 
online program, but with a different, slightly different interface, depending on what you have. So what yeah, so they are. Go ahead. Yeah, like once we have a natural system, system. Mm -hmm. to track our hands, for example, like leap motion, uh, I think that will come really naturally to everyone, like and have a single um, controller system, let's say. That we that will be your hands or something like this. I know we will probably need a controller to play the games, but I hope these uh, outspace, um, you know, become successful because <laughs> uh, I'm really concerned about splitting the community. VR is like well, currently being developed. So what I mean is like with battle with Battlefield, they have to split the community because that's how it's like. Um, you know, that's just, that's how that, that is, that's how the software is designed. But it is, it is possible that you could have, with, what we're saying with alt, with alt VR is that you have people from different hardware setups interfacing in one community. It's not split up. And, th and that is a software decision. So you could potentially have another version of Battlefield, a new version of Battlefield that allows people with different setups, allows a person who's on a console um, and on a PC to to play together in the same game. That's not impossible. That is a decision that was made by the people who who developed Battlefield, and it would be with Alt Space because it's not like Battlefield. I guess it makes more sense to not not keep these as separate communities because you because if someone Someone might have an advantage on the PC in terms of gaming that you would that you would not have on maybe a console, and so it it might make sense to just you know like like sort of saying you know there's um we're gonna we're gonna say these people are gonna play in separate arenas because they, their their respective systems have different advantages, but when it comes to alt space they're not competing it's not really a game, so you can have all these different systems you could have a Project Morpheus. In the people accessing alt space, the same alt space that Gear VR people are accessing, and that's okay because because um, it's not a competition; it's just a social network. So you don't have to beat each other, and you don't have to compete for the best score or anything like that. And that's yeah, because gone. So if someone's moving slow, if someone's moving more slowly because they're using. Gear VR's uh, mouse pad instead of having their own um, hand tracking technology, then that's not a that's not the same. It's not a problem uh, for social VR, whereas it would be a problem for gaming. Something we did not touch on, but certainly should, is the subject of haptics, because of course touch is a major part of our everyday life, even though we're frequently unaware of the chair we're sitting in or the ground beneath our feet, about touch feedback, about what's going on in that field. If it's not an area of interest, we can certainly move on to something <laughs> something else. I don't know if I read about this, because uh, what I know is about the controllers, and because you have buttons and they track your hands. You kind of have this feeling you're touching something in the virtual world. But uh, I'm not sure if uh, I could say anything about the haptics. Of 
well, being able to simulate the stretching or cutting of objects or holding them has some applications to education, particularly to chemistry education, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Well, I've seen this being used at the Void Arcade, where they have, um, like, you have the virtual world, but interact in an arena, an arena, arena and they have, um, like, on the walls or some places where you have to touch and press buttons, but in the virtual world, you see it with the, a different, you know, um, design or graphics, I don't know. But you have a, you see a different world, but you have to touch it in the real world so that you can actually press buttons in the game. And even the touch is similar, but I don't know if that applies to haptics, really. It Do does. you know about... Oh, okay. It does. Um, they specifically said that the rifles in the Void um, experience... So, Adam, if you're not familiar, the Void experience is... Um, it's actually like a... A warehouse, and they turned the whole warehouse into a virtual reality game, so you so that you can literally walk throughout the entire warehouse, and you can touch walls that you see in virtual reality, and you're touching a real wall. Um, but the the real wall is um, is part of the game. At, at the same time, it just looks different in virtual reality than it does when you're touching it. Like um, if you took off your goggles, it would look different because you're seeing a computer version of that wall. But one thing I noticed in the stories about um, the void uh, experience is that the gun itself doesn't have any haptic feedback. So when you fire it, it doesn't doesn't feel like you're firing uh, a, a weapon. And maybe because there's no recoil or something like this. That type of thing. So that yeah. so that was actually com uh, sort of complaint by the per person who went and tried, who reviewed the uh, the void experience or previewed it. Um, and he's and so some people are hoping that um, the void experience will include recoil as a haptic feedback um, mechanism in uh, in the future versions of that arcade game. Um, it definitely would be cool. Um, but yeah, you can touch yeah, the yeah. walls, and and they also have like there, there's this, um, you walk into this one vent, alien is in a pod and it bursts out of the pod and. and you have to then shoot it. But before it bursts out of the pod, when it's first cracking out, you actually feel um, air from this vent because in the real world, in the warehouse, they're shooting air at you. And they're showing you computerized air vents shooting at you at the same time. So it creates this experience that you're actually watching an alien bursting out of an actual pod because you can, you can feel that air being shot at you while it's part haptic feedback or uh, the kind of feedback where you, the sensory feedback uh, in, a, in a feeling way just, just isn't isn't that isn't really a part of um, VR. I have seen some stories from Japan where they're, they're talking about um, creating like dolls that uh, that people can use like a like a virtual girlfriend that you can touch and. But I haven't really seen that in mainstream VR. Just uh, like maybe some vendors will create some product on the side, but it's not what Oculus Rift is doing. It's not what the Vive is doing. It's not what um, Samsung is doing. But maybe some small vendors will come out with stuff like that, peripherals. There will, there will be that touching feedback with the controllers by pressing the buttons. That well, you... the, 
yeah. the Xbox controller uh, should have um, should vibrate, you know, with some of the video games that you can play. That that already is true for Xbox. And you can play Xbox inside the the like what they're planning to do with the with the um, with the Oculus Rift is that you can meet. They're planning to create a scenario so you can meet your friends in virtual reality in a room. You'll see people that you know, and then you can play an Xbox game together on the screen that's inverse inside virtual reality. And so you should be getting feedback from your Xbox game through your through your Xbox controller if you have the uh, Oculus Rift. So that's something that they're planning to do. Thinking of uh, haptics and this feedback you can have from the virtual world, um, there is one game people keep mentioning on YouTube, which is one that you play with swords. I can remember the name now. Um, I wonder if, like in the virtual world, you have a sword. Like made of metal and everything, mm -hmm. and if it touches the, your opponent's sword, in the virtual world it will be you will have the impact, but you know your hand will just continually going down in your real life, in the real world, and that thing, you know that feedback would be wouldn't be there. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. Maybe that could work for lightsabers. Mm -hmm. So I think they are working on. Uh, providing games with lightsabers instead of well, swords. If you look at like some of the, um, the I was gonna say some of the Japanese games. I was, I was watching Sword Art Online, which is the the game with Nerve Gear, where you actually um, you, yeah, that's the one. That's the one where people are going to virtual reality and but they're they're plugging their actual brains into it. And when they fight, sometimes they'll slice through a monster. And you'll see like a red line for where they cut a slice, but the sword always goes straight through wherever it goes through, and it, there's no there's no haptic feedback at all in that in that um, TV show, and it seems like that would make that would actually make sense for virtual reality, to where if you slice at a monster, your sword is going to go through the monster. It's going to create a red line or something indicating that you caused damage to it there, even if you like cut it in half. You may have it's not actually going to split in half until you um, get its hit points all the way down to zero. Um, it's like you can slice it in half a dozen times. You still have to get its hit points down to zero before it's going to die. But um, so I think that combat will be more like more like that, more like you you might see in Final Fantasy, where you deliver a devastating attack, but it doesn't mean your, your enemy is done quite yet. Yeah. I, I need to see that video. I haven't seen anything um, about this, actually. I've just heard about the game and what, you so know you, what people have you, been expecting. Did you ever play like Final Fantasy or any of the Japanese RPG games? Yeah. You did. So, you, I mean, you saw, like, basically, you know when your character launches at another character mm -hmm. and they may, like, slash the opposing character, but yeah. it... But you can... You see this sword slash, and in, in reality, if someone got hit by a sword, um, you'd see a lot of permanent damage, and and they'd be out after the first hit, you know. But in in the Final Fantasy game or the, R, the RPG, you, they'll take many sword slashes before they're out, and that that that's what I'm saying is is um 
that's how you, you, virtual reality may have to be because you can't really create haptic feedback against a virtual opponent because they, I mean, even if you could create a little bit, it wouldn't be realistic because um, because there's actual you know there's actual physics um, that your brain can recognize that you couldn't. Um, you know, you just can't create a virtual opponent that's going to stop a sword. See, you know. What I, but uh, there's one company, well, actually a lab from Germany, that's mm -hmm. working with a project to try to tackle this issue. Uh, it's called um, Project Impacto. Okay. Uh, they say here Project Project Impacto is designed to let people really feel virtual reality. They have. Um, let me see if I can find this. Uh, what they have on their arms, Ele like elect electrodes. I'm not sure how to say that in English. Electrodes. Okay. Let me see. Electrodes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll link you. To render half oh, yeah? of hitting and being in virtual reality. Yeah, I looked it up on the web while you were talking. Um. So if some virtual character hits you, then they're going to create electrical sensation. On your arm, so that it it feels like somebody just hit you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it still has to. I mean, that's interesting. It's the feeling still has to be a lot lighter than. I mean, it, it can't match the physics of like if something in virtual reality hits you really hard, it's uh, uh, electrical the stimulation that you get still has to be a lot um, softer than that because otherwise it would hurt you. Um, so, I think this is really cool, and it would be great to see if this works, that would be nice, but it would still, it would still be different from, um, I don't know, it still might actually, I don't know, it might be really cool. Yeah, it could work. They are in their early stages of development, they are, they have just announced, um, I think on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But they got some projection when Road to VR uh, published it this week, last week. Nice. And even one of the members of the lab or of this project is in the groups. His name is Pedro. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure where he's from. Mm -hmm. But I think that would be brilliant. I think if more research and investment that could come out as something like, like they would tackle this issue of the haptics in virtual reality. Yeah, one one big um, thing in uh, virtual reality um, novels, like there's this book called, um, virtual reality book called, um, it's about, uh, let's see, what is that? What is that? Uh, it's called something player one, ready player one. And that is a great virtual reality book because it kind of shows, um, it kind of illustrates some of the ideas that are possible in virtual reality. Um, and one of them is half-tax suits, where you could have an entire suit that you wear um, that creates, a, that stimulates a lot of feeling all over, all over you so that you um, can be much more immersed in virtual reality. But still, um, it's not enough to totally immerse you because it doesn't, it can't match the physics of, 
of the real world without actually killing you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there are, there's an inevitable limitation. Uh, if you get hit by a train of virtual reality, it's not the Hapax dude's not going to match that kind of power. It's not going to actually I, kill you. Yeah, I don't think really people want to experience that, do they? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> virtual reality is awesome, but I think some people are do want people do want to experience full immersion, but um. I think you might be able to, to um, experience a little bit more with nerve gear. Um, if you're communicating something directly to the brain, you might be able to go a little bit further in terms of um, in terms of what you, in terms of how far you could go with a haptax suit. Uh, um, but you know, there's still even probably limitations with uh, with nerve gear as well. Nobody wants to experience being cut in half, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> At least and, not every time they play the game. Maybe <laughs> once. Yeah. <laughs> you know the treadmill. I, uh, I've seen people complaining, saying that they don't want to experience that all that walking or running in the game. They just want to, you know, have fun, play casually, but not literally walk or run so much in the game like considering Battlefield that I play for example um, you walk and run all the time so if you play that on a treadmill mm, I don't think that would be people playing it so much and well I so, think okay when I was a yeah when it, it, I mean it depends there's some people who would not for sure but some yeah. people would some people would play it all the time Th that's what I'm trying to to say like if with this project impactor for example if they actually become a thing, uh, not many people would use it. Uh, concerning the the actual impact, people don't, you know, uh, some people go uh, to fighting classes, but some don't because they don't really like the impact or, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Just uh, they would avoid it um, because of the impact and these all these running and everything. Um, Sadly, that won't be to the masses, just for the more, like, I'd say hardcore gamers, maybe. Um, or people who really like to experience new things. But I think it should be in the market anyway. Just for um, just for the matter of having a set more, more options, you know? Sure, yeah. Well, that takes us to something that I didn't want to bring up because we've been chatting about immersion, but there are many uses for VR that don't involve creating a complete illusion, immersing most or all of the senses. For instance, you can create a video for it. You can create some sort of cross between a video and a game, something that a student could explore one by one and go through the activities and see how proteins are made, see how transcription works, etc. So, and it's wonderful if we come up with this ultimate interface, but in the meantime, there are lots of cool things we can do. In fact, even chess on a VR system would be amazing. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've seen, there's some, uh, some VR stuff I've seen with um, like tabletop games where you're 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 in a VR world, but you're basically playing a tabletop game. Like, um, and maybe your characters in the tabletop can be animated, but 
it's not like all around you or anything. It's not totally immersive. It's just like down there in front of you on the table as if um, you were not wearing VR. And I've seen, um, what have, what have you seen, Zen? Uh, I should give someone else. Um, uh, I'm not sure <laughs> if I ever see anything related to this. Um, augmented reality is related to oh. like, um, you know, like the Hololens, and so people like you can you can wear a headset and you can see the world around you, but then um, you could have a uh, mm. you could be doing Skype on the wall um, or in a floating window. Yeah, actually, I've seen that uh, from the presentation from Microsoft at E3 yeah. this year. And they're working on right now. Um, the the VR companies like Oculus are working on um, integrating your and and Google also. They're working on creating a a map of your environment so that they can integrate that. So that if you're wearing a headset that covers your face, you can still see your environment. You can see a digital recreation of it, and then they can put stuff on top of it. So they can put like um, you know you could have your computer screen on your wall. Um, that you can see through either head-mounted display that, that covers everything or something like uh, the uh, HoloLens that only only covers, only gives you um, a partial view. HoloLens is a very um, limited part of the screen, limited part of your goggles is, is showing you graphics, and the rest of it is just... Uh, is just um, is not computerized at all. It's just a see-through glass. Augmented reality is something Zan and I talked about, and I think it would be best for him to talk about what it can do for people who want to learn new languages. In terms of uh, learning a new language, I believe that visual is something extremely important. From uh, to, you know, it helps to memorize. Um, helps with the memory if you use visuals in classes or when you're teaching languages. Um, so, virtual reality is like it's all visual, you know. So mm -hmm. the problem is that with a virtual reality, it's very it's an isolated experience. Although you could have a social experience in virtual world, but around you, you don't really know what's going on. So if you're teaching a group of students, I don't think that could work so well. That's why I think augmented reality is uh, coming strong to education. Because you have this interaction between real world and virtual world. If you're using uh, augmented uh, reality glasses or whatever that will come in the market. Um, so you're gonna, you'll have these visuals, these Strong feedback uh, from visuals to learn the language, and at the same time, you'd have the interaction of the real world, and maybe you could interact better with uh, other students and with the teacher, and you know you'd have more this social aspect in the real world. And um, what else could I say? Uh, have you seen this recent video from um, about the Pokemon? Uh, using uh, augmented reality and playing Pokemon? I have not. It has I... become viral of the video and 
that's making people aware about augmented reality. So they have released a video just simulating how playing uh, this game would be like. And they, I think what they show at this video and what they draw, um, well, I mean, what they want to people understand in this video that augmented reality and playing this game is a, so, it's a social um, aspect of, I mean, it's a social interaction. This is all about being so, socializing, you know what I mean? There's um, like there's a lot of people getting together and to play this game. Um, each one has a Pokemon, for example, and they can battle against each other. But it's still they are projecting these uh, Pokemon's and the game and the battle in a real world. Um, so that shows clearly that augmented reality is about. Um, socializing and interacting with other people in real life and at the same time um, being able to do what virtual reality will do which is projecting this virtual world in a very fun way um, so I think that's really attractive to education considering that you can have everything virtual reality could provide I mean with this 3D and not 3D but this virtual world you know you could use and you could create anything with that, but at the same time you'd be able to have people around you, and you would lose this aspect of the technology of compared compared to reality. So uh, in the end of the video, they get together. Um, what's that called? What was that place called in New York? Um, is this like Central? Uh, the most Pop famous place in New York, Madison Square Gardens. Um, possibly, <laughs> I, I don't, I can't remember now. But in the end of the video, like there's a lot of people together playing the game uh, against like one single enemy. Um, so you can see this uh, clearly in this video. That that's what they want from the game to have this social aspect, playing a game together with friends. Um, but at the same time, protecting the real world. And I think that's what education is about. Like, you interact with other people um, and at the same time learning and interacting with the subject, for example. And considering that you could use that for uh, history or science, for example, that would be brilliant. Uh, you don't have to rely on your imagination to try to figure it out well, what a chemist, uh, what like something in, chem in science or chemistry, uh, how they work, and even biology, you know. You don't have to rely on an image, on a book, and try to figure out how that works and how things move. Um, there has been a lot of, um, how can I say, development uh, in videos, where you can see, you can see on you know, YouTube uh, a lot of videos showing how things work. But because of if you're using augmented reality in class, you'll be able to show this and at the same time interact with that. So that's like just really big a thing for education. I would say, especially in biology, a visual aid would work, would be an enormous boon to everyone because you're talking about a lot of very abstract processes that are going on yeah. all the time. Now with language learning, Something that I was thinking of, and we can certainly elaborate on, because 
we already were hinting at social networks based on now well going into a bit of detail about social networks based on VR uh, when you're just chatting with someone certain topics are not likely to come up whereas if you're sitting in a cafe with someone you're going to maybe talk about the very loud person in red sitting a few tables down <laughs> so VR will give you <laughs> I guess some I guess someone would have that conversation I not I couldn't imagine myself having that conversation about somebody who's sitting down at a couple tables no if they're very loud if they're very loud I see <laughs> <laughs> but that is that gives you an opportunity to practice the language and expand a little bit more and act as though you are there in a different country with native speakers which is something only so many people get to do yeah immersion is key to learn a language that's why people travel go to other countries to in san you know, stay some time and learn in san, in san francisco if someone's really loud they're probably on drugs or they're crazy and scary <laughs> and so like I hear this like I'm on the bus and someone is like right there they start raving and they, they start saying all kinds of crazy things and everyone else is very silent and not talking to them and not talking about them because you don't want to attract their attention so I can understand how maybe people in another land might do that but not here <laughs> I wouldn't do that and I, I guarantee you wouldn't see people in San Francisco doing that it's a different place. Well, I, I suppose in Florida you would say to the person, well, that person is being very loud. They're probably armed. We should leave. <laughs> that's, that's possible, uh, I guess. Interesting. That's an important thing to learn in English. Yeah, you could um, set this environment where you have to you know, interact with someone and tell them to, you know, maybe stop yelling or shouting. I know that's quite hard in terms of depending on the personality you have. Now, I was watching this um, this augmented reality uh, video about um, uh, the Pokemon, and I was noticing that what they're seeing in the video is they're seeing like a map, like a virtual map. So you you hold up your phone. And you see directions says go here, and so the the kid and their and the, the parent are running to some location, and they have to it says now it says go here, and then you get to the location, and you're looking through the phone, and you can see like a Pokemon dragon, and it's doing something, and then you want to the idea is to catch it, so you you're wearing a wristband, and you throw your wrist as if you're throwing a baseball. And you can watch and you can see through your phone that a virtual ball is being is heading towards this dragon. And um that a lot the ball allows you to catch the Pokemon. Then you gotta go walk over to the drag to where the ball caught the dragon. You then you have to pick up the ball so that you can um now now you have caught your Pokemon. Um and um and so I can imagine if you're in a cafe and all of a sudden some kid is screaming and their parent is screaming because they're running past you to go catch this invisible Pokemon that they can see but you can't see because they're looking they're they're seeing it through their phones. Um that might be something to talk about, but 
Yeah, it's, it's just that thing that technology brings people together, but at the same time you um, isolate other people. So if you're experiencing something public, like in the, you can see in the video, you make people feel, you know, out of it if they're not using the phone. Of course, that's a game that I think kids will play, and some adults too, because you know it's Pokemon. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know the grown-ups, grown-ups are they watched it when they were kids, so. Hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. Even though it's augmented reality and there's this interaction of both realities. Um, Depending on what you're what you're using for, you're gonna make other people feel out of, out of it, and that's a concern I have when you're doing that in public. Yeah, and there was a the whole thing with with Google's um, notification reality with their with their headset was they were creating this huge social backlash where um, everybody was like, you know, people were like. Um, there was at some point there was a reported instance of people attacking people who were wearing this Google um, headset in public because you know um, because it was expensive and because it was they, people felt it was alienating that hey that someone is, has this cool thing that they have and they were jealous or something um, and um, and they're also it's also a camera on top of that so it's like recording so people are like you know they want their privacy in public, they don't want someone to be recording them. Um, so there's a huge backlash. And so that is something to be cautious of that these companies like HoloLens, they sell, they're selling their augmented reality product. It's something that you're supposed to use in the privacy of your own home. They don't, they really don't want people to, to get on the subway or to go to a coffee house and be like, you know, using their Windows computer in public by touching the air around them. And because they they have the feeling it's going to alienate, it's going to create a backlash. There's going to be people who are jealous and and yeah. who are going to express that as a lot of negativity that they don't clearly explain is related to their personal jealousy. But um, they're gonna they're gonna say, oh, well, the person who wears Hololens is just an, a really mean jerk. They're just a douchebag. They're a Hololens douchebag, and I'm not going to explain that that is connected to my personal jealousy. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. it's gonna create bad press. <laughs> but you know, maybe the those behind Hololens are thinking that you should use it somewhere private and on your yeah. own or with like a group of people. But I think they've developers for, for for some apps. They're developing this so that you can use in your daily life and everywhere. Like like uh, if you're visiting somewhere, like uh, as a tourist, you'll have um, pinpoints. You know, you'll have like yeah. you, if things you see right. in maps, in Google Maps, yeah. telling you where, where to go and how far things are. And, and you do that with the HoloLens. Like they have the HoloLens on the, on the space station or they're, they're shipping it to the space station so that so that um, the, the astronaut can um, create a, a little a, a, three, a map, like a GPS map to where I left the tool like, or, or a tutorial. You know, hey, like um, go here and then go here and then go here. And so whoever's wearing it sees these these navigation arrows that tells them where to go next and so that would be great for people on vacation to if you want to see some site if you're wearing something and it just tells you where to go next you know and but still that's the worry is that hey you know um is that people will think you're recording them or they'll just be jealous and 
So they are they're kind of saying, you know, this is for private use. This is for use in your company, in your own workspace, or in your home, and not for outside, not for the general public. Uh, but I'm yeah. pretty sure there will be people developing to use it outside. You know, there oh, will yeah. be there will be this pressure from yeah. developers, even from the people. Uh, you know, uh, they will want to use it everywhere because it's cool and it's handy. You can use it for uh, to make things easier for you. So why not use it everywhere? Right. Um, that's a concern I have. I, I don't really like this idea of having just a few people having a second reality that you you, you can really be part of. That would be, uh, like you said, there would be a lot of je jealousy and uh, that, might, that might attract... Um, at, at, the same, at the same time, what we're going to see in the future is we'll be able to see that people can um, share their augmented reality with some people and exclude other people. So you could have, like, you could be at a park and you could have 10 people wearing HoloLens or augmented reality and they could all be seeing the same thing in the park, some alternate version of reality that's overlaid on top of the park. But people who, some someone else might bring their own HoloLens set and it could be a stranger, and so the people at the party do not want to include them, and so that this this other person may feel excluded from whatever live event is going on, and that could be that could create a, a sort of social negativity that wouldn't. I don't know. They're not invited to the party, so you know, that's. But maybe, maybe here's the thing. The thing is, maybe they were invited to the party. Maybe you could have like. Um, it's just a software limitation where you can only have 10 people seeing this thing. And so 10 people can be, maybe you have a party of, of 40 people, but the people who are not, who don't have the headsets, maybe there's only 10 headsets, they can't see it at all. And so there is a, a social isolation that can happen even within a party of people who are invited, and only some people can see it. <clears throat> but... You know, people still may want to do it. They still may want to take turns doing it. So, I don't know. There's some fairly, and they're humanitarian, and some fairly serious applications to VR. And one thing is gamification, which can be achieved through augmented reality or through VR. And one example is a game that was developed for people with ankle injuries and part of their rehabilitation involved flying around a plane with their foot. Larger scale ones can simulate economies, they can simulate wars, they can simulate how people exit burning buildings. So if you have enough projects like that, it gains acceptability, it is seen as something helpful, something public. Mm. Serves the common good. That's a good point. Similar to what GiveYAR has done, uh, Samsung Italia. Have you seen this? Uh, have you seen this? It's on YouTube. What are you referring to? Uh, Samsung Italia has created has they have recorded um, 360 degree videos in roller coasters in, in a theme park and so that they could provide this experience to uh, hospitalized children who can really leave the, the hospital oh yeah 
Yeah. That's so right. they yeah they uh, made these videos and they gave the not gave but they you know they gave the gear gear VR to the children so they could experience and see what it is like to be in a theme park or in a roller coaster did, things did they haven't that? done maybe. Did you see that one, Adam? I have not, but I've read about similar things. The general idea. So I'll explain the general idea for the listeners. Um, so someone takes a 360 camera, which is a rig that has cameras on each side of it, so that they can capture video at, say, an amusement park on a roller coaster, and it a lot. Then the video is then stitched together. Um, the cameras that are capturing each angle. So if you look left, you'll you'll be seeing out of one camera, and if you look right, you'll be seeing out of, out of another camera when you're wearing the, the, head, the head mount to display, the Gear VR. Um, and if you look between left and right, you'll see that um, the video has been stitched together, so it's it's one video, but it's actually captured from several cameras. And um, so people will go to amazing places like a beach in uh, Ireland, and they'll film it, and they'll capture it in 360. That's what they call it when you stitch together multiple cameras together. And then they'll have it as a video on Gear VR that you can watch in virtual reality. And it kind of feels like you're visiting a place that you've never been before. It's very cool. And so some of them are doing that for creating these experiences for children in hospitals, which is what, which is a, which is a noble goal. It's not for personal entertainment. Now you're serving the community. Now you are um, creating something for for, for uh, children who are bound to the hospital and they can't leave, but they can experience what it's like to be somewhere else. I can't imagine anyone disagreeing with that, and I'm sure it will win the technology a lot of brownie points. <laughs> brownie points. But speaking of children... There are obviously a lot of problems with the education system, and we don't need to go into that, but we can go into ways that VR can improve the system in general. And one of the main problems is addressing the needs of individual learners. Another problem is allowing them to explore and to be active rather than passive memorization machines. And that's something VR can do, because they have an open environment they are able to explore in their own way, at their own pace, and yeah. do it in a hands-on fashion, and engage senses that usually are not used in a normal classroom environment. And you say, well, here's a quadrat here's the quadratic formula. Memorize it. Well what are the applications of the quadratic formula? What does it look like? And that is a really good point that I haven't really talked about yet, that um, you know, using virtual reality to explain uh educational concepts. Um in a visual way, um, or in a way that you can experience that goes beyond seeing a picture in a textbook. It has profound um, implications for um, improving education, especially because once a teacher figures out how to give a great virtual reality ed education program, how to, how to give a great presentation virtual reality, um, that can be copied the same way you copy any file. And 
And so we're, we're going to have like this, um, we're going to have these virtual reality classes in, in every topic, in every every education uh, topic, I mean, um, that are just great education classes. And you'll be able to ship it to everyone in the world. Um, and I think in many time, in many cases, these these may eventually become free. Um, if someone is if someone is charging for a great virtuality class, it's possible that someone else will remake that class for free. <laughs> They'll be a teacher, so you could take your at some point you could you could take any class in virtual reality on any subject at any level and and have and have a great time learning and even um, really hard topics that uh, like mathematics can. You could have the best teacher in the world right there with you in virtual reality, showing you um, visually, um, you know, how to think about mathematics, and that would be just, you know, a great way to learn um, some really hard uh, subjects that, that some people struggle with. Just have the best tutors in the world show people in virtual reality. And then copy and paste it to everyone in the world. <laughs> right. Either difficult subjects or subjects that the school system is not teaching and probably will not ever teach because of institutional sluggishness. Right. For like, instance, computer science. Computer. Yeah. Computer science, definitely. Um, you could go so far with music. You know, have the best music teachers in the world for every student. You could have the best... Um, yeah, everyone can be a programmer, uh, and it, it, it could be, the concepts of it could be a lot more easy to explain if you have, if you're immersed in virtual reality and you, and someone animates those for you, um, and, and connects the dots for you visually. That's very exciting. And the truth is the school environment just is not ideal for learning. You have a bunch of kids packed into a room most of them don't really care about the material. They either don't have the interest or the aptitude. Whereas these virtual classrooms are where people who share the same passions can come together and work towards a common goal or goals. Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's going to be very exciting. Um, how much education can change with virtual reality. Uh, it's just uh, so exciting. Uh, we're not even close to what's possible yet, but I'm very. I think that's going to be one of the best parts of about virtual reality is the the, fact, the way it's going to change education and training. In in general, speaking of even a professional trainee, mm -hmm. uh, they'll be really. I mean, augmented reality mostly, but everything related to real, uh, real uh, virtual reality and augmented reality and education. Uh, you know, including training and everything will be yeah on the job yeah. training. So, I mean, not not on the job, but uh, but job training. Yeah, yeah, job training. Yeah, you could totally do that in virtual reality. In fact, um, one of my projects was to create a, a job simulator because I saw that there was a job simulator about cooking for the, the Vive, and I wanted to create one for a security officer um, called Security Desk. And it's just uh, like a simulation of what what it would be like to work at a top software company in security, and you have to, you know, what you have to do um, to watch, you know, monitors and answer emails and respond to alarms and 
do all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, yeah, job simulators would be exciting because then um, you could help lots of people who who do not have work to get the to get training in virtual reality, um, so that they can be they can be a great applicant for a job, and you could even record them uh, working uh, on a virtual reality job, a, a virtual job, so that um, that could serve as work experience that an employer could say, oh, I see this person working a virtual reality job that it's while it's a virtual job and it's not a real job, it shows me that they could do this job for real in reality um, because here they are performing it in, in virtually. And you could even have the uh, a game score people and say how, how, what their aptitude is and what their strengths and weaknesses are and then employers could look at that and they could say oh wow this is someone I want to hire um, you know that could, that could change things that's and, an amazing thought yeah I haven't I haven't thought about that having something recorded so that you could analyze and you know maybe give feedback yeah uh, so you could actually record yourself in virtual reality like you know how when you when you when you're in social VR other people can see your avatar but your avatar can be recorded very accurately with your whole body movement. So you could you could be in a virtual office, and your performance could be recorded live. And that way, you could give it to a, a prospective employer, or you could give it to your friends to evaluate your performance. Uh, absolutely, that's a great idea. That you just helped me. That you just you just uh, helped add to the table's end. Well, I think you did. <laughs> I think we both did. I think it was like you know something that you you saw part of what I was saying, and then you 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 added you added another. Uh, you mean angle the job training? It. Yeah, the job training. You you took it a step yeah. further and you made it more clear. So this conversation definitely has has come up with some some new uh, perspectives for me at least. Yeah, I see this. Um, I always think about job training because I train teachers in my school and. I try my best not to make things like the, use a lot of theories and just discussion. Uh, I, I need to see them practicing. I need to see them making it, you know, real. What I've we've just discussed or argued. Uh, it's quite hard if you. I can't be in the class because my school. It's a small. It's a small school, uh, language school in my town, and the classes are really small too. We work in really small groups, and my presence in the class is kind of stressful for everyone, including the students. Because the group is small, and you know, uh, so I can't really follow the progress of my my teachers uh, outside the class. And simulating classes with real students, we who are clients actually in my school, uh, is not really desirable from the students. So how could I follow their progress? How could I uh, know if they're doing what we've agreed in our like meeting or training? Uh, if I had well, if I had these tools, that would be possible. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you could even go beyond um, just having a virtual presence recorded. Is you could have, um, you know, like a video game. You can score people for doing certain things within certain time frames. You could have a program that tracks uh, what people are doing two dimensionally, in addition to having a recording of what they're doing three dimensionally. So yeah, definitely. Um, so that's the work of future programmers to, to create that, that structure for you, for for you to train teachers. 
Looking forward to that. <laughs> Very exciting. Are we going to start a new topic? That's up to you. We have... I think we have almost everything we wanted to get. I know that you wanted to plug the groups. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe I was thinking about going back to the comparison between Oculus and Vive that we started, um, you know, the beginning of podcast. Sure. Because I wanted to ask Micah, uh, as he has tried Vive, there, there has been a lot of... Um, People saying, oh, Vive is not for me because it's going to be like 15 to 15 feet. You, you're going to have that. You you will need to have a room that big. No, and no. Yeah, but that's what they say. They say but, that's an issue. They say, I'm not going to have Vive because I need to have such a big room okay. uh, available. Right. I don't think that's the case. I think it depends on the game you're playing. Yeah. Uh, in the demos, you, you can see um, you know, along the year. Most of them, no, some of them were, you were just in a small square, like the one with the, you were playing as uh, someone in a restaurant. You, you just said this job simulator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very you, small square. Yeah, you weren't moving around, but you were playing with Vive. So yeah. I don't think people get that. I think they, they just, they are so, they are fanboys of Oculus Rift. And once they have this uh, requirement from Vive, that you have to have this room or this size available. Right. Uh, they already say, no, no, I'm going to get uh, Oculus because Vive requires such a big room. And I don't want to move around all the time. So I don't think they realize that's the case of the game, not of the hardware. It, it should be made clear that that is not a requirement from Vive, that you do not have to have a certain room size. That's not, that's not from Vive. Um, what Vive is asking its developers to do is to develop for multiple multiple room sizes, so that someone who has a very small room definitely can play any game, and that's what Vive is asking them to do. They're asking them to to hey realize that some people are not going to have more than a couple feet of space to move around in. Can you make sure that that user can play your game? That's what they're actually saying. So. Whoever's saying that Vive has this 15 foot room requirement, they're just completely lying, or they just don't know, uh, and they're making stuff up because that, that is opposite of what's really happening. There's a lot of misunderstanding. Yeah, misunderstanding, misunderstanding. and they're creating misunderstanding because the truth is totally opposite. You can have any size room, even if it's a very small room, even if you have two feet of space to move in, and you can still. Uh, play most of these video games. That's what Vive is asking their, from their application developers. And you are right, 100%. It is up to the application developer to create the experience. Um, and but they don't have to. They don't have to. No, no one has to. There's no requirement that you have to have a 15 foot by 15 foot room. That is that is not the case. And it is up to the software developer. But they're being asked to create for any size room possible. I'm happy to hear that because um, I don't understand why people keep it choosing a, a brand already. It just, uh, I'm not a, a kind of person that becomes a fanboy. You know, I like Vive. I, you know, I support Vive. I, I, if I had to choose one, 
But Oculus is just as amazing. And there's something we have to wait for and see which one you, you know, feel more happy with. <laughs> I, I just don't get why people keep denying life. People should actually try something first before they before they voice their opinion about it. Like I've actually tried Vive and I've actually tried the Oculus GK2, and I can say that the Vive is a better experience. But I, I'm also saying that I'm very eager to try the Oculus Touch because that could also be a really great experience. And I'm not going to say it's not better or not worse before I've tried it. So I'm just saying people should try stuff before they, you know pronounce judgment on it before they uh, explain their opinion. It's actually like, you know, try it. not even out yet. <laughs> of course. There is something that would be of interest to, well, it's of interest to me, definitely. Right now, VR is in its infancy, but there are currently engines that support the development of applications for major systems. So there's room for independent developers to move in and start making stuff. Were you asking about how to get started with developing VR applications? Uh, we can talk about that. We can also talk about how perfect it is for smaller companies because, again, going back to institutional sluggishness, some of the bigger companies are not recognizing the potential. Although some of them certainly are, Google and Facebook, to name a couple. But we're talking about games in particular here. Right now it's a huge opportunity for new developers and small small developer companies um, that consist of just a couple individuals in some cases to create really interesting virtual reality applications. You can create applications yourself with... Um, there's application environments that are very popular like Unity... Um, Unreal Engine 4 is another popular one. There's, uh, there's others out there that are even smaller, but uh, Unity is the big one, Unreal Engine. Um, and uh, some, there, there are some languages that are more suited to virtual reality coding, like um, C Sharp. Um, definitely, if you've already you know, created an application in some other program, um, you're you're ahead of the curve, so you you have some knowledge you can bring with you to learning Unity, and and uh, you know you could start um, you could start creating a virtual reality application in one day um, because that's how easy it is to talk. That's how it's set up for you to start playing around with um, existing pieces of code that will situate you inside a virtual reality environment. And another thing that you can do developer is you can get a 360 rig, um, a rig that supports cameras on on uh, every possible side, and you could start filming in 360. Um, I know several people who are filming 360 videos, and you can publish them, you can sell them, you can give them away for free. So other people with like the Gear VR that you can buy now um, can download your video and they can look at it in virtual reality, and so they can experience um, your town. Uh, or your vacation that you shared with the world in virtual reality. And, uh, because, you know, um, maybe you don't want to share it with everybody, but right now you can start recording your vacations 
with your loved ones in virtual reality for only only your loved ones to watch, um, but you can do it. Um, and that is something that, you know, it pays to be like, being a, a virtual reality developer um, is like, if you're creating videos, if you're creating 360 videos, you can create them for your own family vacations, for your own, you know, private use, so you could watch them in virtual reality later. You don't have to share them with everybody. And be, being a virtual reality developer means you can also develop your own virtual rea reality apps for your own private use. You don't have to sell them. So it, it's just a great idea in general to become a VR developer and a 360 video developer just because these are great skills to have. So you don't have to, you don't, I mean, you could obviously sell these skills and you can get a great job um, creating virtual reality videos for some company. You could create um, virtual reality applications for some company and that would be a great job. But you could also have these skills and and use them for yourself and your family, and that would be great too. <laughs> so, well, some, well, something I would like to say to my viewers and to myself, and remind myself: for VR, there is not a Mario or a Zelda or a Sim City yet. This is new territory. You have to seize it, and that's what an. I think that's the magic for VR. It's such a new technology. So I think that it's, this technology has bring has brought everyone to the same level, same ground. For developers, because it's so new, to develop a game, you need to review your skills and adapt to it. So, and also for the 360 videos, um, like directors, producers, they all have to review how they produce these videos. And so that it can adapt and apply to virtual reality. It's such everything is so new that it has brought everyone of professionally different fields to the same ground again. A short time that's changing. I mean, people are learning fast, so that that yeah. was true for a year or so, and then you know. But what is what is I mean, it is a fact that you know it used to be that if you wanted to develop a video game, you had to be part of a huge video game company. Um, and there was a time before that when, you know, people were creating their own video games for like the, the, the Amiga computer system and the, the Commodore 64. Mm -hmm. But there was a time when video game development required millions of dollars. But now an individual programmer can use a platform like Unity or Unreal Engine and they can make their own video game and they can make their own virtuality application. You don't need a whole team. Two people can Usually, I mean, you can find two people who cover the skills needed to create that game, um, and then you can make it. You know, on you know, it, it does cost money, but um, but it's possible to do it with a small budget with a small team, and um, it's not uh, that that. So the the fact that these that these platforms like Unity and Unreal Engine exist. Um, they are leveling the playing field so that um, with not only with virtual reality but with uh, any video game or any application um, that you want to make, it's, it's, it is kind of open season so that anyone who becomes a developer can, can change things. And you don't have to be a big company to do it. You don't have to have uh, a million dollars to do it. You could be someone who just... You could be someone who was just an app developer for the iPhone, um, at, and you could be 12 years old, and then you could learn this this program Unity, and you could create a virtual reality application 
that takes off and becomes the new Mario. Like Adam was saying. And you can create childhood memories for many millions of people. Touching 